Yes, I know. <laughs> From Radio for Europe, I'm Reid Standish, and this is Talking China in Eurasia. Even before, even before they started the construction, nobody ever liked this place, and in in the collective mind is like, oh, the Rigotti Pass, you know, like nobody likes that. And that's me with my colleague Tamna Shakrili. She's a photojournalist working with Radio for Europe's bureau in Tbilisi. And we're stuck in traffic at a mountain pass while driving across Georgia. Because apparently there can be only one passage at a time. This bottleneck is one of many in the country, from its mountain roads to its ports on the Black Sea that make travel and trade here difficult. And you're hearing this because these kind of problems could become a thing of the past. A few months ago, Tamina and I hit the road together to investigate a new Chinese-built highway that cuts through the heart of Georgia, complete with 96 bridges, 53 tunnels, and a growing price tag that's approaching $1 billion as construction delays mount. You just see it so like profoundly reshaped. As we got out of our vehicle at one of the many construction sites we visited, we learned what that means for this changing country's rugged landscape. I guess it's just the magnitude, like how the landscape is changing. Right? Because I live in the country of mountains and there's always like this, um, I don't know, maybe like a a bit of a cultural perception that they are this eternal, indestructible force. This road could transform travel in the country and provide a much needed boost to Georgia's tourism dependent economy. But infrastructure in Georgia is also getting caught up in geopolitical tensions. Since Moscow's full-scale invasion of Ukraine, China and the EU are more eager than ever to find new trade routes that bypass Russia, which has been the main transit country for transcontinental trade. So join Tamina and I today as we take a journey along this Chinese-built highway to find out where Georgia fits into China's larger infrastructure plans and how the project is bringing hope, change, and scandal to the small country. Uh, if you want to tell me where to go? Uh, I don't know myself. Hi, Tamina. Thanks for joining us today. Hi. So I think before we really get into it, we're going to have to explain a little bit to people about Georgia and about why a project like this, a 51.6 kilometer highway, is such a big deal for the country. So let's start with that. Sure. So Georgia is located in the South Caucasus between Black and Caspian Seas. We have Turkey from Southwest, Armenia, Azerbaijan from South, and of course, Russia from the North. The population is about three and a half million. Since 2012, the party in power is Georgian Dream that is associated with billionaire who made his money in Russia, Bidzina Ivanishvili, retired from politics but supports the party financially and otherwise, and who EU parliament accused of being an oligarch directly responsible for stagnating the democratic course of the country. Former Prime Minister Bijina Ivanishvili, founder of the ruling Georgian Dream Party and a billionaire oligarch who made his money in the wild days of post-Soviet Russia and sidled up to Vladimir Putin when it really mattered. So there's never been great relationship with Russia, starting from all the way from the Russian Empire and then throughout the Soviet Union, later with conflicts in Abkhazia and south of Sethia. 2008. Georgian rockets pounded the breakaway region of South Ossetia. It was the opening of a devastating five-day war between Russia and Georgia, with each side blaming the other for setting it off. 
Russia always propagated separatism and openly declared Georgia the territory of its influence, which is something that was always perceived as a threat for Georgian independence, something that uh, Georgians regard as the highest value. The brief war had far-reaching consequences. Russia voted to recognize South Ossetia and Abkhazia as independent states, a decision condemned by Western leaders. And since the war in Ukraine has begun, there's been a growing worry amongst Georgians about the national security. In the context of war in Ukraine, Georgian dream, the ruling party has maintained what they themselves call a cautious approach. But taking into consideration some of the statements that Prime Minister has made about Ukraine, we can safely call Georgian dream more pro-Russian. And at the same time, there is a big aspiration to enter the EU or at least achieve the candidate status. And people of Georgia have been increasingly rejecting anything associated with Russia and expressing the desire for pro-EU and generally really pro-Western course. Germany's foreign minister Annalena Baerbock has urged Georgia to push through democratic reforms to increase its chances for joining the European Union. The EU awarded candidate status to Ukraine and its western neighbor Moldova, as you see on this map right here. That happened in June of last year. Georgia's government and the vast majority of its people say that they are in favor of joining the EU as well. Okay, so that covers a political landscape where this is all unfolding. Now let's get into more on the highway. Georgia is a developing country, and it's dealt with poverty, and there's also a lack of high-quality infrastructure, which I think is really important for our discussion that we're having here. Yes, so there are not many good roads, let's just say, because the geography is very complex in the country. In the context of this road specifically, the pass that uh, we're talking about, Rigoti, has a very complicated geography. It's essentially mountain ridge that separates the east from the west and you kind of need to go through all these freezes in the mountains which is very time consuming i mean obviously when you and i were on the ground together i mean i was behind the wheel i mean everything you're saying there the lack of infrastructure i can say from firsthand driving across georgia you know a, a new big road like this would be quite a game changer for the country when it comes to getting around mm -hmm. and i think also having those big knock-on effects for the things like tourism which the economy is very dependent on and also getting you know just boosting trade in general the trans-caspian international transport route or middle corridor is a developing intercontinental freight transit route, especially after the start of Russia's full-scale aggression against Ukraine. It leads from China and Southeast Asia via the countries of Central Asia and South Caucasus and Turkey to Europe, bypassing the territory of the Russian Federation. It is important not only as a China-Europe transit route, but as a route for the export of energy resources from Central Asian and South Caucasus countries to Europe. But, you know, as you're saying, with highway, it's cutting through this big, significant section of the country. It's filled with mountains, rivers, huge gorges. And this is quite an engineering feat, right? Yeah, well, uh, of course, like with this new road, you will fly essentially from the capital to the seaside. Just in four hours, imagine that, versus eight and a half hours that we have now. So obviously, with the cut that is so significant, you will need to go through mountains. You need to drill the mountains and um, the ground there and the rocks and the general geology, let's say, of the place is not very stable. It's quite mixed there. Like there are these layers that are 
geologically, let's say, younger and older, there's this mix. And so from the engineering perspective, there's a big challenge because um, landslides are there and the country is full of water. Literally anywhere you drill in Georgia, you find water. There were floods in spring, heavy rains, I would say, and the part of the road just came down. And when that happens, it means that even a few hours of of stagnating road means that east is cut from the west. Nothing can move. People can't move. The shipping cannot move like these big trailers cannot move. And even a few hours, it's already a big thing for passing traffic and also for people who live there. This happened twice and made news in Georgia because it's really big. But they also, it wouldn't, it would be unfair to say that they're not doing anything to prevent that because when we traveled there, I mean, you remember we saw right. them actively working on supporting the slopes. Yeah, that's true. They are putting up barriers and trying to improve safety. But If I recall, a part of the criticism they face is that Georgian engineers who had consulted for some of the Chinese companies said that the construction crews didn't follow their advice about how to blast through some of the more difficult stretches of the pass. And we heard similar concerns from the former defense minister, Tina Tinhita Shelley. I talked to all the um, older generation uh, geologists and um, road construction specialists from Soviet China. Tina Tin now heads a think tank in Tbilisi called Civic Idea, where she's really focused on Chinese infrastructure and China's role in politics in Georgia. She was quite adamant from her own research that while it's possible to build this road, it needs to be done with extreme care. She's not sure that that is happening. From those times, I knew that there were all these old plans of new road constructions for Tbilisi. Uh, and I've seen them. And because I knew that, I was absolutely sure that there was a bigger one for the whole country. And they were 100% sure. They were telling us with like full confirmity that all these plans were made, but it never got realized because uh, of the environmental damage that could simply collapse the road. And then they were saying that, well, now, now under the modern technology, of course, many things have changed. and. Uh, and they were very honest. They were saying we are pretty sure that with the modern technologies and extra money spent on it, probably it's possible to do it, but you need to spend lots of money for it. Some of these concerns came to a head recently with a series of large landslides that blocked the Rakoti Pass. Every time I drive on that on portion of the highway or whatever, I have a feeling that the land is going to disappear under me and something horrible is going to happen. And then it happened. And she's not the only one with these concerns. Right, Tamina? Yeah, there was a geologist, He we interviewed him in RFRO as well, and he mentioned that the geology of the place is quite complicated, and he wrote a full report on that, but he is not aware if they considered it or implemented anything from what he advised. There's like just so much secrecy over this, we don't get to see any documents. Generally, generally, people are sensitive to journalists in Georgia, but especially if something big is going on, and uh, especially if there's even the slightest, slightest chance of jeopardizing your job security, because jobs are everything here. Right. Another thing that really stuck out to me on that was the amount of very sudden changes that this mm-hmm. project is bringing to people who live in the villages and the towns along its route. 
We are in Surami. That's like close to geographical center of Georgia. So we just finished driving. We were on the road for the last couple hours. Um, and then we've kind of hit this point now where Chinese construction on the highway seems to be starting and we've just pulled off and are on a different section of the road now. Why do you think Georgia needs a highway like this? Does it, what do you think? Well, like, it's just so important to have, like, this fast connection of east and west of the country. I think most people are for it. But there are some groups who will, that will inevitably, like, take some damage from it. And one of these groups are these vendors that we're seeing here in Surami. And we put over here because their business is probably going to go down. The first person that really came to mind thinking about this is a woman we spoke to. Her name was Manana Bibuluri. She bakes and sells bread off the highway at Surami. She's been working here for 25 years. She's like almost 64. Yeah, like she was just like glowing when we entered. Nine grandchildren and one and one grand grandchild already. I remember she said that she will probably retire and close it down because she'll probably just go home and be happy grandmother and great-grandmother. But her case is obviously a bit different because she has this family and all of them have jobs and not everyone is blessed with that. I asked also like what are people around saying and what are their concerns and uh, people are are concerned uh, about like what what's gonna happen to their business and if there's gonna be stops. Anything else you wanna know? No. Do you want to go a loaf of bread? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's also important, we need to, I think, explain a little more about what's happening here in Surami, right? So it's going to essentially, this new highway is going to be bypassing it. So for folks mm-hmm. like uh, Manama, you know, you said they've been there for several decades, they're going to have to move their stall or just decide to retire. And Surami is this place that's known where people know to go through here, where you can stop, you can get this bread when you're on this big, long cross-country road trip. Is there government support in place that is going to help people keep this tradition alive or is it essentially going to get displaced by this highway? Yeah, so there is a plan and the plan is to move these vendors to a special market that will be like like a roadside market. So technically, if you're on a highway, you could do like a small detour and go to this market and buy whatever you need to buy. Because, of course, Surami is not the only roadside village. There are many along the way. And you could technically go and get whatever you want to get at this market. But uh, when you think about it, if you're going on the highway, like how often it crosses your mind to make a detour or stop anywhere, right? You just mm-hmm. want to get where you want to get. And I think that's a, you know, that tension that you're getting at, right? I mean, that's something we encountered a lot on this trip. There is this kind of friction that's materializing between, you know, these traditions and these traditional ways of making a living, which are very prominent in Georgia. And then also with these these really, these quick changes that this highway is bringing. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought this was quite clear while we were in Shrosha, and we met this woman named Zoya Gargatsi. She's been here for 22 years. A lot of her colleagues as well started chatting with us, and she makes her living selling this very specific, traditional form of pottery from her roadside stall. She just describes me like the clay making process, because there's like a clay um, source here in the mountains, and like men usually go and take this clay and they like process it in a special like uh, machine, mm-hmm. and then from it they they're making this and practically all. Um, the entire uh, village is engaged in it. What does this highway mean for her? Yeah, so Shrosha is important. It's so traditional that my, my background is in art history and we literally studied Shrosha because it's such an important historical uh, ceramic uh, center. And Zoya is engaged in that. She told us how the whole of Shrosha is living off these clay crafts. So for her, of course, as for Manana, it's a challenge because when you are on the road and you pass by Shrosha, you see this beautiful display, this terracotta color just pops out immediately and you want to stop and you want to see what it is. I remember that chatting with Soya was also interesting because she herself, she said that I do understand why people want this road. I do understand it will make many people's lives easier. But what about us? We worked on this all our lives and now there is this big change and we don't really know how we will adapt to it. They're saying that by the standard of construction, they think that it's going to be good. But it's like nobody kind of sees the impact it will have on them and they get lost behind this big big project and then they like joked that like uh, it's gonna be so quiet here that wolves will eat them I thought she was a really interesting person to speak with because she really expressed both that that hope of what this highway could do for this country, right? Attached a lot to the project, you know, how what it could do for the country's economy, also for local people getting work. Yeah, she says that a lot of people from the village are working on the in construction. Con- on, on yeah. the construction and once it's done, they will probably like return to clay making. So like there's been like also like a bit of a positive thing. But also it's, you know, bringing changes, very abrupt changes in a really short time frame, which is something that I think also factors into when we look at who is building this highway in Georgia, which is a collection of Chinese state-owned companies. And traditionally, China has taken a backseat to Russia, Europe, and the U.S. when we're talking about Georgia's foreign policy. But we're seeing this start to shift. Chinese investment in the country, particularly in infrastructure, is growing. And the Georgian government just recently signed a strategic partnership agreement with China, with Georgian Prime Minister Irakli Garabashvili signing the deal and also giving some very glowing reviews of relations with Beijing. President Xi is truly an exemplary leader. And talking up the middle corridor during his visit. I'll tell you from our perspective, Georgia signed a clear roadmap with Kazakhstan and also with Azerbaijan. We have full understanding how to increase the capacity of this corridor, increase the capacity of railroads or ports and other infrastructure. In Georgia, we are doing lots of big infrastructure projects, such as the East and West Highway, and also East-West Highway is also being built 
by the Chinese companies. Mm -hmm. I have to say how efficient they are. And also their prices are also competitive. Uh, and we're quite satisfied. So why is China interested in building this highway? And what does it want from Georgia? Well, it's a new way to trade with EU and it has good value for the money. So with the invasion of Ukraine, I think, uh, well, generally Western governments are looking for new ways to bypass Russia and not to use the northern corridor, let's say, which has been the main road for overland trade between Europe and China. And the highway is a part of that. It also envisions the railroad and, in theory, a clear port. Right now, the part of the shipping goes through Poti port, another Black Sea port, and the rest goes to cars in Turkey. And the Belt and the Road uh, project will significantly shorten that. Yeah, well, I think especially on the, the economic front, and it does seem, you know, China's, I think, big focus is through the lens of Belt and Road, its big global infrastructure initiative, and really starting to kind of, you know, unclog the bottleneck that is Georgia. And Georgia, with its access to the Black Sea, is this important spot, but it doesn't have the infrastructure to pull it off. And that comes into, I guess, mm -hmm. why we need highways like this and all the other new things that are getting built there. But I guess I want to flip this around a little bit now, Tamana. So, you know, that's some of why China is looking at Georgia. But what does Georgia want from China? Yes. Yeah, so if we are becoming this transit corridor, obviously there's a lot more goods passing through Georgia. And we're just becoming this very important transit point. That means that there will be a lot more coming through Georgia and going to EU. Each year, 600 billion US dollars worth of annual trade passes between China and Europe. The middle corridor will allow transit countries to benefit. And for South Caucasian countries, as well as, I'm speculating here a bit, but Central Asian countries as well, China is a better and safer partner than Russia. Right. And this, this highway, I mean, this is just one piece of many infrastructure projects that are either getting mm -hmm. built or in discussion right now. I mean, there's there's rail lines, there's other roads, and then crucially, there's also these ports along Georgia's Black Sea coast. Yes. So the big infrastructural projects are good for us because economics wise, it's it's good. But of course, every big Chinese project there is, there are also a number of people who are opposing Chinese influence in Georgia. It's hard to say what Georgia wants from China. It's just people are really happy when things are happening and when there is a perspective of economical growth. But there's also criticism can also be quite vocal, I'd say. Right. And I mean, this this highway has faced its uh, fair share of criticism, I think, especially over how all of the contracts were awarded. Right. Um, you know, mm -hmm. a, few, a few years ago, we had the Polish ambassador to Georgia. He made headlines in the country when he expressed yes. confusion and frustration during this interview about how the Georgian government is using funds that's raised through European lending institutions and awarding them then mm -hmm. to Chinese state companies. And as I mentioned earlier, how I spoke with Tina Tienkita Shelley, who served as Georgia's defense minister previously, and she's since become this very vocal critic of how Chinese deals get done inside Georgia. These companies won the contracts only because they had shortest timing mm -hmm. and low prices. 
And now government keeps revising contracts with them, prolonging the times and increasing the costs. So what's the point then why we did not give the contract to Polish or Italians or French or whomever? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense, right? Somebody needs to answer those questions. And she raised a lot of concerns over corruption in the tender process for this project. And also what she said were links between Georgian politicians and Chinese companies, which she says is contributing to expensive, delayed and lower quality than advertised projects. I mean, nobody doubts that it's going to benefit the country. It's going to be it is extremely important for us. I mean, citizens of this country. Mm -hmm. Um, But... There is still a lot to be investigated and, uh, and uh, learned why the rest of it was not finished and mm-hmm. why they did not manage to keep the deadlines and uh, whose fault it is. And, but my government is not making any, is not showing any attempt that they're even interested. Are all those concerns still in play? Yeah, I would say, I mean, generally, whenever there's like a big tender and bidding going on, there's always concern of, corruption in Georgia, because the record of the Chinese companies that are in this deal is not spotless. There is this Hunan Road and Bridge Construction Group that faced controversy for bribery, right, and uh, environmental damage in previous projects. Tamina, what about when it comes to building this relationship with China? I mean, how is that really seen in the country at the moment? Yes, so there is no consensus on this. Like there is a part of people who uh, view China as a good and stable partner for us. And then there is another part of people who associate China with Russia. And we also spoke to some opposition MPs and they like perceive China as being controlled by Russia's long hand, if you remember that. I do. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I've been thinking about this a lot because I... I struggle to make that connection, but I think, and it's my theory here, that there's just general lack of knowledge about China and what we hear about China most of all, like most often, is its connections with Russia. And that's a big factor, you know? Well, I guess especially, I mean, like the one thing that always pops into my mind, and I asked a lot when we were there, and I still think about it, is... What do Georgians, your everyday Georgian, think about this overall? Well, they just think that it should be done as soon as possible. With the landslides on the road, we witnessed ourselves and experienced how vital this road is. We never thought about it that much. Really, people want to get it over with. And not only people in big cities, but also people who are in the proximity of the road, because then it will be clearer to them what they will do with their lives. I remember when we published this piece, I had a reader reaching out to me and this was his like essential question. So when are they finishing it? (laughs) Right, yeah. Um, Okay, Tamina, it's been great to get to talk to you about this again. And thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right, that's all for this episode. I'm your host, Reed Standish. Katie Toth is our producer. Studio direction was done by Vladan Milakovic. Thanks to editors Carla Padret, Kathleen Moore, and Pete Baumgartner, and to Radio Free Europe's journalists around the world that make podcasts like this possible. If you like this podcast, please share it and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you like to listen. Finally, 
If you haven't already, subscribe to the China and Eurasia newsletter, which goes out every other Wednesday. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.